Hello, welcome to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. I'm Nate, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my good friend, Josh. How you going, mate? I'm awesome, man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, having a good week. How are you? Yeah, actually, same. Hey, I, um, I feel like I'm grasping things a bit better at uni, um, and I can put it down to one thing, and that's me actually giving it effort. So <laughs> work effort, pays off. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good man. Oh. So yeah, well, I mean, following on from last week, we obviously looked into what some of the big big boys have been buying, and uh, we went we went a week early, I reckon, on um, quite a few of the um, experts and 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 um, big guys around the world. So we've, we're going to come back and revisit um, some of the holdings of some of the big players like Michael Burry and and um, Berkshire Hathaway and Munger and all those guys. So we'll we'll have a bit of a rundown of that again. Um, yep. There's been some interesting um, examples of what's been going on, and which we'll have a chat about. And um, yeah, so let's let's kick it off because um, obviously last week I reckon probably maybe only a quarter of the um, people that we're looking at had had reported. Uh, we had a whole bunch of um, people come out even just yesterday, uh, the fifteenth of August, with their reports. So, mate, who do you want to have a look at first? Yeah, well, I guess like why not let's kick it off with the big the big guy himself, Warren Buffett. Yeah. Um, not a whole lot, really. Uh, it's interesting because we know he's got uh, Ted and Todd um, doing a, you know, a lot of the smaller activity buys, which makes his kind of investing style not really obvious when you look at these um, quarterly reports. There's a lot, a lot of buyers themselves. But um, a few interesting ones. We know he bought Verizon uh, back in 20. 2020 i think it was or 2021 um the yep. communications company he yep. now sold he's completely sold out of that now um, yep. so, sold most of it in uh quarter one finished it off in in quarter two um i think i guess looking at um probably some of the actual buyers and sells um he's actually bought some more Apple and it's funny. It, it's hard to think that this is a big chunk because it only says he's added 044 percent of his portfolio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> still three point eight million Apple shares. shares yeah. Um, so st- still quite a bit of a purchase. Um, we know that they got pretty low in quarter two. He was happy to buy under one hundred and forty dollars a share. Um, I believe it's now up to one hundred and sixty. So say so with a lot of the other tech shares. Yeah, yeah, it's been going nicely. Um, He's added to Paramount with nearly 10,000 uh, Paramount shares. 10 million. Um, added, 10 million, sorry. Yeah, yeah, 10 million. Good pickup. Yeah. Um, he's bought some more Occidental Petroleum. Uh, what is it? And he's actually bought some more Activision. So he's feeling more and more comfortable with that uh, arbitrage opportunity for ATVI. And he's bought some more Chevron. So we know that they were some of his bigger holdings. So... I guess if we look at his biggest uh, holdings now, and like we discussed last week, pretty much, you know, value investors, focus investors, you can kind of look at their portfolio and see if, you know, you've got five or six uh, companies and um, creating, you know, pretty much 70, 80% of their portfolio, you know, that they're focused investors, all the other stuff's just, you know, jump change to $300 billion, isn't it? But yeah. 40% is Apple. Um, yeah. Bank of America is ten percent. Uh, Coca Cola eight point three percent. Yeah, number three. Then you got Chevron, American Express. Uh, then I guess you'd, you'd you'd include here Kraft Heinz, Occidental, um, 
and then maybe Moody's. And that's, you know, still two, three, four, seven, seven percent of their portfolio. So it's quite yeah. a big chunk and, and yeah. it all adds up very quickly. Interestingly, mate, just on the Activision Blizzard, we, we've done a podcast on that one before as a potential arbitrage play. Yeah. Um, I was doing some reading this morning about it. And um, so Microsoft um, came out and so basically Sony, the PlayStation, is selling, I think, 50% more than Microsoft, the Xbox. And so Sony, Sony are one of the, I guess, players here that are trying to um, not allow this Microsoft purchase of Activision Blizzard because Sony are worried that um, people are going to jump ship to them and be playing Call of Duty. Um, yeah, um, so that, I thought that was an interesting article this morning. Yeah, Warren, as you said, has, has basically been buying each quarter on Activision Blizzard. Um, what's, I don't know what their share price is at the moment. They're, 80. It's back up to 80. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, still, still like, you know, 10, 15% of upside there if it, yeah. if it, if it goes through, yeah. um, which, you know, if you're going to pump a bit of cash into that, that would, that could be pay off like nicely. Um, I wonder if we see, like, I know we've had a, a fair, what did you say? We're back into a bull market, mate. Um, <laughs> I wonder if we see that turn again, how far that price may change. Cause it didn't change nearly as much as what the other companies did. Right. It dropped uh, to that. during the bit of a downplay. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot less volatile, and that's that's just being staked up right now due to that Microsoft deal. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I was, I was pretty intrigued to find out what Warren had been buying, and um, there we go. Yeah, he's, he was happy to buy Apple. I dare say he probably hasn't been buying it in the last uh, sort of month or so, because um, like you said, he was buying pretty happy to buy below one forty. It's been yeah. above that for a little probably six weeks now. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, Who's next? Let's have a look at Bill Ackman. He's always Bill a good Ackman. one to look at. Bill Ackman with his Pershing Square Capital uh, Management. Yep. Um, quite, once again, very value investor, like focused investor, only owns seven companies. Um, and that was eight. But as we know, he completely sold Netflix um, within a quarter sold. of buying it. Yep. Yep. And... Um, you know, it was it was nice to see him go hard into Netflix, but I think his horizon's probably a bit shorter than, you know, uh, a standard kind of like ten year horizon. Now that he's got yeah. quite a bit of money under management, um, that's I know that's not only my thesis. That's you know, I'm listening to um, Phil Town and he 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 believes the same thing. Um, mm. I know Phil Town has openly said in his podcast he's he's invested in um, Netflix. Um, but he also said it's not a six-inch bar either. So yeah. um, it's more of like a he's using that uh, risky, risky part of his portfolio. But seven point four billion dollars portfolio value for Bill Ackman, um, and he reduced. He didn't buy anything in quarter two. He reduced um, mm. very little bits of his uh, portfolio. Yeah. So big. Um, yeah. Like I said, one hundred percent out of Netflix. He sold Chipotle, uh, Mexican Grill which is a, a um, great stock, um, sold some Domino's Pizza and, and a couple of other ones there, Hilton and restaurant brands. So he, he's a net seller in quarter two. Yeah, and I think it's important to note here, those sales are all less than 1% um, of his holdings of those positions. So once, like you said, net seller of his positions. Um, 
I don't think he's very bullish on things given that. <laughs> so, but he often doesn't do a lot. You know, if you look back yeah. at his activity, apart from that big Netflix buy, um, all of his positions don't change that much. He he sold a lot of Hilton in quarter one. Mm. Um, he bought a little bit of Canadian Pacific Railway in quarter one. Um, he bought that Canadian Pacific Railway in quarter four last year, but I don't know. Like, there's not a whole lot happening around his portfolio. Um, speaking of someone who doesn't do a lot, uh, Monash Prabhai. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's got a total holdings of a hundred million, and um, mate, this gentleman is in literally two companies. Um, one being a measly 0.02 percent, uh, and um, the other one being. Uh, 99.98 percent of his of his portfolio so uh, he's essentially just in one company micron technology yeah um, he's been recently most recently buying that in quarter four uh last year um but again he's a net seller he he um heavily reduced his other company which is seritage growth properties um, yeah and he's pretty much just sitting in micron technology at the moment yeah, for sure. And um, a, a, an important thing to note with Data Roma as well is this is only US stocks. This doesn't show any uh, foreign stocks. Um, and uh, Monash Prabhai has been very open about selling Alibaba to buy Tencent, um, which I believe he bought through uh, the, the Mexican company. I can't remember the name, but that owned a lot of it. But even then, I remember reading that that company who owned a lot of Tencent um, sold a lot of it as well. So it's it's... Mm. It's interesting. Um, you have to kind of keep up with him on, say, YouTube and and any things like any um, talks he does or any interviews he does. Um, he's quite open with what he does, and uh, he's he's a very good investor. So to see him have a hundred million dollars in Micron Technology, um, you know, he's he's bullish on it. Uh, I did a little bit of research and I listened to a few videos by some um, good YouTubers who, you know, this type of investing. Um, Micron technology is an interesting one. Uh, basically, they do um, data chips um, and they're essentially one of three companies in the world now that do it. Um, and he's betting largely on Micron being the better one. Samsung's another one, I believe. Um, and I can't remember the, the other one. However, um, obviously the problem with uh, that, that industry is how rapidly computer chips grow, right? Um, we see them basically, I, I can't remember the stat, but they double so quickly, like the, the processing powers and, and, and essentially computers just keep doubling in what they can do every few years. But there's been studies, I believe, that have been done to say, I think it's 2025, uh, maybe a little bit after, that you can physically no longer make things small enough to fit on a chip to actually keep exponentially growing. Like we're talking... Yeah. hundreds of thousands if not millions of uh, transistors on the size of your finger now um, but they're yeah. getting so small now that they're nearly the size of the actual atom itself so um, that's tiny and once you get to that physical size you can't you can't just keep growing it right they you can't fit any more on the same size which means that you may see that slow down in the the absolute nut speed of it um, like computer processing power is growing and once that slows down, that for the industry means less research and development, that for the industry means less capital expenditures, which which means more kind of stable revenue growth and, and probably a higher income. So um, 
you know, there's a few big investors. I can't remember the guys who are also doing it, um, but Monash Provide being one of the biggest ones who's betting massively on um, this being a good thing for Micron. So Micron's an American company. Um, the, the other, there's a really big one in, I can't think of it now, Taiwan, which is one of the reasons there's a bit of, um, I guess, um, irritation over there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if I can put it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all know semiconductors and chips have been a big, big problem around the world, shortages. And um, so, yeah, that, that, that's a, uh, an interesting, um, interesting take on um, Micron. Thanks for that, mate. And chips. No worries. And they can't keep growing at the um, same speed. Yeah. Um, I, reckon, I reckon we finish off with a really interesting one. What do you reckon? Let's do it. Yeah. You know who we're talking about? I think you're going to talk about Michael Burry, are you? Oh, love it. You, love, you love it. You love Burry. Yeah. I do. I do. He's great. So he's had a very interesting quarter. What's he done? Mate, he's, um, he's sold almost a hundred percent of everything. He's yeah. um, left, left with a um, little bit. I'll just grab him here. Um, where is he? He, Can't find him. he, there he is. sold, he sold every stock he owned and bought one other stock, which was GEO group. Um, which is now 100% of his portfolio. Mm. And I believe he also sold his short positions on Apple. Yep. So he's out of Bristol booking Warner Brothers, uh, Google, um, Facebook, um, you know, everything. Everything yep. but the one um, Josh just mentioned. So, um, and interestingly, I, I, when, I, when we saw this not too long ago, I um, did a bit of a, a research on, like, what's he, has he said anything around why he's done that? And, um, Found out that he, yeah, he, he has in fact tweeted um, just regarding, you know, he he feels that the silliness is back in the markets um, to where it was during the height of the pandemic, um, and he, he can't shake that feeling, that sort of silly pre Enron, pre nine eleven, pre World dot com feeling. So, um, you know, he's you know obviously referring to the euphoria that was around the dot com crash. Um, so he feels like we're at those sort of similar um i guess feelings of all those previous um i guess you know silliness in the in the market so yeah he's out he's he's pretty much out and um I, i'm going to be really following him closely to see what he says over the last few months we've done a couple of stories on him he, we spoke about the um the retail um oversupply and them giving away uh, basically their products because they've got too much supply. And um, we're seeing that happen now. Uh, that has come to fruition. So um, I think it's probably a, a watch this space with him at the moment. He's, he's done it before. He's got good history in predicting things um, with the um, housing troubles back in 2007, 2008. And um, yeah, let's see what happens over the coming, coming months with Michael Burry. We've lost your sound, mate. Back. You hear me? Gotcha. Sorry, yeah. Um, no, he's uh he's quite right about the um dot com bubble as well. So um although he's also come out and said he's very early sometimes, so <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll see what happens, hey. Well, I mean, I know you said you wanted to finish with him, mate, but I, I there's another guy that I like to um follow who's got a great book out. I can't remember it now, but Howard Marks, and he's been a he's been a net seller as well in the last quarter. Uh, 100% out of a lot of things. Um, so, I mean, he has a portfolio value of around $7 billion. And um, 
he has been um, selling a fair bit. Selling what's some of the big ones there? Um, he's a hundred percent out of a lot of things actually. Um, still holds a fair bit, but um, yeah, yeah, I think I think probably probably the the take home message from um, from last week is that we we've, most of these big guys have been net sellers um, in, in a quarter that was really heavy heavy um, heavy selling early in that quarter. And, mm. and prices got down to a pretty decent level. So we actually haven't seen these guys picking up shares at those low, low levels, bar maybe Buffett with Apple. Yeah, yep, for sure. And and these were quarter two. So this is all pre-July or July one, sorry. Mm. So pre-July one. So um, yeah, we, we, we have, it's a lot of lagging data essentially is what we're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens this next quarter, especially now that we've had quite a price increase, uh, a, you know, a market increase again. Um, but what actual companies are going to look like in the next three months as well? Um, mm -hmm. You know, whether their bottom lines are actually starting to get a bit hit because that's being predicted by a few guys saying, you know, the earnings squeeze is, is on. And, um, you know, we've seen kind of like the, the pre- part of that with a lot of the retail companies saying that they are, you know, lowering prices to get rid of stuff. And that's going to affect the bottom line at the end of the day. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll just see how the supply chain keeps up with all of that uh, over the next six months. So yeah, um, yeah we'll see what happens. Yeah. Like, as we know that the, the U S you know, have said that they don't think they're in recession. Um, that was uh, the fed um, essentially because there's still such good data around the labor market and so forth. Um, and usually they're, that's data that really looks gross when they hit a um, recession. So we also know that's lagging data. Yep. So I think this next couple of quarters will be interesting. You know, I, I don't personally think things are going the right way in terms of the economics um, and the market is, you know, saying otherwise. Uh, we also know the market is usually short-sighted. Um, so we'll see what happens over the next six to 12 months and, you know, yeah, moving forward from there. Well, we're into our second week over here in Australia of earnings season. Um, and yesterday, JB Hi-Fi reported um, and they, it was a negative share price for the day. Uh, they came out a couple of weeks ago with uh, a bit of an update that their, their year had been bumper, you know, record profits, et cetera. But what, um, beat up their share price a little bit yesterday was that there was no forward guidance so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing some of these companies report over the next couple of weeks um a their guidance moving forward and whether they actually give some and b an update on this financial year's trading period um because i think that's where things will tell a bit of a different story um may june july august what's the trading periods been like um most recently so yeah. Um, stay tuned on that. We'll um, do some research and, and cover that a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Definitely. I think another big one to look at at this point, especially with companies like JB not giving forward guidance um, and some of the retailers in America talking about their, um, you know, their, their pricing issues and, and overstock issues. Um, I think another one to look at for us and for anybody listening would be uh, insider trading because they usually mm -hmm. have to, um, they usually have to make that pretty clear straight away when they do that. So um, when they're selling 
bigger little chunks. We we always want to see our management team being net buyers. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see if 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 we do see some insider trading and and some selling from management teams. So, Mate, I watch that pretty closely, and I think um, if you remember, uh, probably um, earlier in the year there was a lot of net buying from insiders um, with a lot of companies that I follow over here in Australia. Um, I have not seen much buying going on of um, directors and management over the last few months. So, um, you know, say what you say about that, but yeah, we'll keep following that as well. That's a good one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Good call. Excellent. We'll wrap it up. Thanks to all the listeners for tuning in again to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. We will be back again next week. We'll, We'll catch you later, mate. Cheers for the week, man. Have a good one. You too. All information on the Legacy Investing Podcast is the opinions of the hosts and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Legacy Investing Podcast and any contributors to the podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should consult a licensed financial professional.